0: Hello listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends. The monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. I apologize for any construction noises this episode, as they are apparently building an apartment right behind ours. Exciting. Alright, so today's topic is another broad one. Today we'll be talking about monsters that just want you to be the best you you can be, even if sometimes that means smothering you or threatening to eat your soul. It's all about politeness this episode, and how good manners can lead to a better home and not being eaten, and how bad manners can turn you and your buddy into monsters. Our first creature is the domovoy, a Slavic house spirit similar to the British brownie. The domovoy is a small, bearded, hairy creature that occasionally has a tail or horns. Like a brownie, the domovoi comes out at night in secret and helps out around the house in exchange for gifts of food, but the similarities pretty much end there. You see, unlike a brownie, the domovoi works alone, or occasionally with a wife, and is loyal not so much to the house, but the family within the house. This is because this hairy little man who lives under the stove is said to be the spirit of the forefather of the household. Hence why this spirit is occasionally called grandfather. And, like many grandfathers, if you want to keep Grampy happy, you've got to follow his rules. In addition to leaving out offerings of food and tobacco, family members are encouraged to never leave food or cutlery out on the table at night, not be slovenly, never swear, especially at the dining table, never fight or bicker in the house, and if you're leaving on a trip, make some time to say a special goodbye to the Domovoy. If you follow these rules, the Domovoy, who has oracle powers, may foretell happiness in the family's future by singing, laughing, joking, or dancing at night. Apparently, getting a full night's sleep is not conducive to a good future. If you don't follow these rules though expect to get even less sleep if a Domovoy becomes angry with a family, expect poltergeist activity, extinguished candles, wailing at night, and even pinching while you sleep. That is, if he doesn't just decide to smother you, that's right. Unlike the brownie, if the domovoy is particularly upset with a family, he may just smother them while they sleep, which is thought to be an early explanation for carbon monoxide poisoning in early houses with no chimneys. So, kitties, who's excited to see Grandpa? That's right, no one, because seeing him is another bad sign. Our next monster is an oldish French-Canadian werecreature known as the loop guru. Unlike the traditional werewolf, This monster can take many forms, including a wolf, a calf, an ox, a cat, a pig, or even an owl. I'd imagine people who live in areas with loop gurus must be very nervous around pretty much every animal. Unlike the traditional werewolf, the loop guru turns into an animal every night and wanders the countryside. This is apparently caused by a spell that can last as long as the way-too-specific time of 101 days. Someone can become a loop guru for the very dated crime of not making their Easter duty, or Lent, for seven years in a row, or generally just being a bad Christian. Although, if this condition is indeed a spell, the spellcaster doling out punishment for these particular crimes against religion is not readily apparent. If one is suspicious of a loop guru, unlike a werewolf, these creatures don't have to be outright killed. To break the spell, someone just has to recognize that, Hey, that cat looks like Steve, while Steve the loop guru is transformed, and then draw blood from the animal. Once that happens, the spell on Steve is broken. On one condition. Neither person can speak of the incident, because not only is it a huge social faux pas, but if either of you starts gossiping about it, there's a chance that both you and Steve will become loop gurus. And presumably, you will not be invited to Steve's I'm human again party, after all. Nobody likes a gossipy loop guru. Our last monster takes us back once again to Japan to meet a creature that enjoys a good cucumber, drowning people, and being polite to a fault. Our last guest is the kappa, which translates to river child in English. The kappa is a monster with webbed feet and hands and scaly reptilian skin that can be green, yellow, or blue. Description past this varies, but it is most commonly also outfitted with a shell, a beak and a cavity on the top of its head that's always full of water from its home river, which is the not-so-secret source of its power. When not swimming in their native river or pond, the kappa typically stands upright and is about the size of a child. Because of this description, the two most accepted possible origin species for the kappa are the Japanese giant salamander and the extinct Japanese river otter. The case for the Japanese river otter has a lot to do with the otter's propensity for standing on its hind legs and its omnivorous nature. The Japanese river otter could grow to about 51 inches, or four and a quarter feet long from nose to tail tip. It was a nocturnal omnivore, and while it fed on crabs and insects, it was just as happy to eat plants such as watermelon and sweet potatoes, which may explain the cucumber trick we'll go into later on. Members of this species had large territories and could occasionally be found standing on their hind legs to observe their territory, much like a modern-day meerkat. There is even a separate name for a hairy kappa, called hayasube. Which lends some credence to this theory. The other contender, the Japanese giant salamander, is an appropriately named member of the Cryptobranchidae family of very large salamanders, of which there are only three members. It is the second largest salamander in the world, reaching five feet or one point five meters and fifty five pounds. This species is nocturnal and entirely aquatic. Unlike many aquatic salamanders, though, the Japanese giant salamander has lungs rather than gills and so it can occasionally be seen gulping air on the surface of the water. Which, if I saw a gigantic slimy head come out of the water at night, yeah, I'd probably think it was a river monster too. Also, based on the fact that this carnivorous salamander can open its mouth as wide as the width of its body, can't say I trusted around an unsupervised swimming child either. Now, despite what I said before about being polite, Kappa liked to play pranks. While some of their pranks are relatively innocent, the ones that get them into trouble are when they kidnap children, pull people and animals into the water, and eat the souls and or livers of anyone they can trick into the water with their sweet wrestling moves. Strangely, they seem to be particularly fond of trying to drown horses. Luckily for the horse, however, if you catch a kappa in the act of trying to drag your horse from its stable, it will usually apologize, sometimes in writing, and leave the horse alone. If that prankster the kappa is trying to drag you into the water, this same politeness is also this monster's greatest weakness. To escape a kappa, one method you can try is bowing deeply. The kappa, not to be outdone, will bow deeply in return, spilling the water from the indent in its head. The kappa is then trapped in the bowing position, and will die unless the indent is refilled. If you then refill the indent, though, the kappa, polite to a fault, has to serve you for all eternity even though that impulse is kind of what got them into trouble in the first place. Now, if you're a little less scrupulous, there are other ways of defeating a kappa. These include challenging it to a wrestling match or pulling off its arm, which apparently can come off pretty easily. Or you could just try tricking it into an oath, because apparently kappas are honor-bound to fulfill their oaths, even if they were tricked into them. At this point, you kind of have to feel for kappas. After all, if I had easy pull-off Lego arms, maybe I'd try to be a little more polite, too. Luckily, the kappa-human relationship is not all arm-pulling and horse-drowning. For example, if you really wanted to go swimming, but you were worried there was a hungry kappa in the pond, you could just carve your name into a cucumber and throw it into the water beforehand. Apparently, cucumbers are the kappa's favorite food, even above children, and if they got enough, they'd leave would-be bathers alone which is why some families would also carve their children's names in, too. Just in case. That is going to do it this week for Polite Monsters. I hope you enjoyed these monsters, and if you're curious about any of these stories, check out the show notes to find out more. Intro music is by Scott Effington. Also, apologies this episode if any of the monsters' names were mispronounced. I'm trying my best, but unfortunately, English is my native tongue, so I mess quite a lot of things up. Lastly, if you like what you heard, Please rate and review on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster.